Welcome to The Luxentis Show, where I share tips on how to create and lead successful people-centric organizations. Hi, I'm Jocelyn Moriners, CEO of Luxentis, a leadership and team training company offering at-your-pace online courses and implementation-style workshops. Make sure to check out our website for available courses and download the top five reasons businesses struggle to attract and retain top talent and what to do about it. In one of the recent episodes, I talked about ensuring that your new leaders were both technically proficient as well as effective. And in response to that, I was asked, what about cultural differences in backgrounds in the team or with the new leader? And what about levels of experience and skills and the difficulty to reconcile them? Well, again, Thank you so much for the question. I really appreciate it. That was really awesome. And you may remember that because I felt that these two topics were complementary, I chose to address them separately. So in part one, which was the previous episode, I answered what about levels of experience and skills and the difficulty to reconcile them. And now for part two, let's answer What can leaders do to help address varying levels of experience and skills and the difficulty in reconciling them within a team? So I would say the very first thing to do is begin with an assessment. Like start by addressing the various levels of experience and skills within the team by reviewing who is in your team. I mean, it's a very, very common challenge. And the needs will be different. The time commitments will be different in terms of who needs more guidance or may have more questions. And this may be partly because of the level of experience and the skills, but it may also be in response to how new they are to the team. So someone who's brand new to a team may have a lot of questions uh, regarding operations, potentially HR, uh, potentially systems, uh, how are things done around here? And I would say that someone like that will ramp up much faster than someone who is actually building up the experience and the skills. So get a sense of who's on your team and where are they at. And some of the reasons you want to do that is, again, if someone is new to your team or new to the organization, you really want to be aware of the types of needs that they may have versus someone who has been around for a while, it will be very different. And that also applies for the leader. (laughs) If yourself, if you're new to leading just any team, uh, then you will really want to dig into who are these people who can complement Uh, your knowledge? Who can you go to if you have questions about processes and stuff like that? 
hopefully you've been assigned someone, but if you haven't, then hey, you have a whole team here that can be amazing resources. And I would say, especially if you're new to the organization, uh, if you're quite familiar with the organization, there may be less of a need for that. But if you're brand new to the organization, hey, your team is there. And I know that some team uh, leaders, especially if they're new team leaders, are concerned about going to their own members for answers. Um, I would say mostly because it's it's usually a confidence thing. Um, they feel like they have to show that they're the leader, they're the supervisor or whatever. And so they may feel a need, no, I'm the boss. I shouldn't know how to do these things. I can't go to the team for questions. Uh, like, don't be afraid of that. That's completely unnecessary, an unnecessary concern. Usually team members are very happy to be supporting you and helping out and uh, potentially maybe even getting to know you a little bit better and seeing who who's the person behind the title. So don't worry so much about that. They'll, they'll, they'll be paying attention to the type of work you do, the quality of work you do, and how you treat them. That That's more important. And so as you're doing this assessment of your team members, uh, it may also be helpful in helping you notice which team members uh, seem to be coasting a little bit and which team members may seem to be struggling. So this ass assessment may give you also this idea of who is really finding it really easy and, and doing the work like it's nothing and others who really could use a little bit of an extra support. Another reason why you might want to be doing this type of team assessment, uh, if your team is making a lot of mistakes, then you kind of want to start, and I hesitate to say you want to start looking at who's making the mistakes, but it's important not in a sense of blaming the person and shaming the person. You made a mistake. You're terrible. Um, it might come to that at some point, not the shaming and blaming in public, but uh, just at some point you may realize, e, there's really a problem here. Uh, but it might also help you see just like who needs extra training because it usually comes down to that. It's just they need a little bit of extra training. So if there are fr frequent mistakes, but they're always being dealt with as a whole, then it's hard to identify those members that need that extra support. So if you do a little bit of that assessment, it will help you assess, uh, find those team members. And one of the things about those assessments as well is they might all point to a misalignment. So just coming back to my comment a few moments ago, I said it might come down to it at some point that the person is actually not a good fit. This type of assessment will help you realize that. And you might recognize there's actually a misalignment between the capability and the tasks or the expectations for that particular skill level. Then you might realize that this person is actually not quite right for this role or they're not ready for this role. And it may not be just a question of, oh, you just need to take a little bit of training. It's like, you, you need a lot of training. And at this time, it's just not realistic to keep you in this role. So it might come to that at some point, but hopefully not. But at least doing this kind of assessment will help you 
recognize those things earlier on because you're more aware of your team and their capabilities. And when you're doing these things, like it doesn't have to take forever. Like don't take hours and hours and hours and hours and weeks to do it. Like just do a rapid assessment. Just like think of each team member, what role do they have? Where do they fit in within that role? Where do they fit in in terms of skill level within the team? And then consider their strengths and areas of development needed. And that's enough just to start with, and then you'll build on it. So don't try to do all the things at the beginning. Uh, one thing that's really important is to also recognize and appreciate the unique contributions that each individual brings to the team. And uh, this type of assessment doesn't just work for the same roles. Like you don't, you don't have to have everybody having the, the same role to be able to do this because you might realize that different roles can also complement each other. And uh, especially in terms of like mindset, professional behavior, dealing with challenges. So you might recognize that, hey, you know what? I think that this person may actually be a good collaborator for this person because they're really going to complement each other really well on this particular project, let's say. So another thing that you can do is start, once you've done this assessment and you're aware of who's on your team, uh, allocate tasks based on skill and on level. And before I go deeper into that, I'm just going to start with a little caveat here. The person should be within a certain range of skills. I mean, they were hired for this particular position. So they should be able to accomplish what needs to be done with a certain level of ability. So <laughs> let's 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 start there. And like I said earlier, if they can't, and if it's not just a question of, hey, let's just help you level up a little bit, then you might be looking at, okay, maybe the skill level wasn't quite what we, we thought it would be. And at one point it may become problematic. You may be able to just train the person enough, but at one point it, it may just not make sense to do so. So something to consider. And there's always the cost of replacement and recruiting again and onboarding again and bringing up to efficiency, but you just balance all those things out and you recognize when it makes sense. So uh, when you're giving out these, these projects, try to balance the tasks or the projects that are more challenging with some that may align more with their proficiency levels. So that way they can continue to stretch themselves and grow while also building their confidence by easily accomplishing other tasks. Because if you're always giving them stuff that stretches them, at some point, internally, it's going to start feeling like, wow, I don't know if I'm really good at this. I don't know if I can do this job. I'm always struggling so much. So that's why you kind of want to keep an eye on that mix of stretching, but also making sure that some of them is like completely in their wheelhouse that they can just do it with like it's nothing. And so that will help balance them out as they grow. And as this unfolds, make sure to provide consistent and constructive 
feedback. And when it makes sense and it's truthful, remember to also point out the positives and uh, what did they do that went really well because you don't only want to focus on their areas that need improvement that becomes really discouraging really fast <laughs> so you want to also make sure that they feel like hey yeah i'm here for a reason i am still here for a reason i'm not being let go for a reason <laughs> so that's really important to to do that and i say truthful don't don't try to come up with made up compliments just because you feel like you need to i ideally there should be some things that they do really well otherwise why are they still there um but try to try to make a point to also share those and uh and and just so to help them build that confidence help them feel again like they belong and again when it makes sense uh try to get some more collaboration going uh, again, earlier I was talking about maybe this person could compliment this other person. Well, maybe uh, a more experienced team member can be a guiding voice on a certain project and lend maybe a more seasoned way of thinking. So when it makes sense, of course, you don't want to force these things and it become, okay, everybody does this all the time and it becomes an operational nightmare and nothing gets done. <laughs> so no, but when it makes sense, try to do that. And another important aspect when giving out these tasks is to clearly communicate the goals and expectations. So just ensure that everyone understands what they're supposed to be doing. And by communicating those goals and expectations as well, they may vary. And you may, depending on what the project is, but you may have certain things already broken apart and have some, let's say, more junior members looking after one thing. And so you'll have a certain set of expectations for them, more senior members looking after another aspect and different set of expectations for them. So just consider that. Another thing that we can do is to promote a continuous development mindset. Yes, we can. Um, by creating that continuous development mindset, we are showing that seeking development isn't just for those who can't or those who are weak. It's for everyone. So work with team members to, you could create maybe a quarterly individual development plan. I really like quarterly. That's like my favorite thing because I feel that quarterly is long enough that you can see change. But it's also short enough to remember what happened and talk about it. Because like when when you had like these one year period before you developed a development plan, it's like, I don't remember a year ago. Do you know how many things happened between that then and now? So that I, I quarterly is my favorite. Uh, I find that monthly is too soon, uh, it's short. And next thing we know, we're like, what? what? Didn't get a chance to really fully address what we wanted to address. Uh, and in my experience anyway, like the quarterly goes by super quickly. Like next thing I know, it's like, really? It's been a quarter since we met? Wow. Okay. And that's usually the response because we're just busy, right? And and time just 
flies. It really does. And so that's my favorite cadence. But of course, you decide what works for you and your team. And it may vary by, you know, who's on your team and who needs more support and less and whatever. So you determine what works for you. I'm just sharing what works for me. So as part of that um, individual development plan, make sure to include areas of development and aspirations. Uh, I like to make them a little bit more all-encompassing uh, because I feel that everything builds onto each other. Like if somebody is only doing a certain thing and they're not particularly excited by it, but you know, it's, oh, well, it's a job. Well, it shows. It shows in how they show up. It shows in how they show up with the team. It, show, it, it shows in their energy that they're giving, giving off. So if there's something that is also aspirational for them, something that really excites them, it, it changes. It changes their energy. It changes how they show up. And it's just worth the, the, the extra effort or, or time or potentially investment, depending on what it is. So I, I like to include those as well. Uh, as part of this as well, think about uh, this whole collaboration thing. Uh, think about uh, opportunities for pairing and mentoring. Now, I mentioned it about how you could do that as part of a project. Let's say having some more senior members with some uh, less experienced members, but maybe it's an actual pairing. Maybe it's an actual mentoring. Uh, you could even do some cross-training, maybe, if it makes sense, right? Uh, you could host workshops. You could do lunch and learns. Like There are all kinds of things that you could do to help uh, individuals with that and help with the development plan and in creating that, that uh, culture, culture of continuous improvement. So in creating this culture of continuous improvement and collaboration, uh, it also encourages this free-flowing feedback, and it removes or at least alleviates that fear of making mistakes. Because it's like, okay, well, if we're all improving, we're all growing, we're all developing, making mistakes is part of it. And it's part of the growth journey. It's part of the learning, learning journey. So if we make it a culture and you do it yourself, then it's like, oh, okay, it's not that big of a deal. Of course, there are limits, right? <laughs> it, it depends on the nature of the mistake. <laughs> but let, let's keep it in the realm of the, the reasonably acceptable and, and correctable and all that stuff. Uh, so generally speaking, most of the mistakes aren't that big of a deal. And, and most often, depending on the type of, the, of culture, the team member may feel really badly or overly badly because of it, or maybe like shunned or something. So um, just creating that culture helps alleviate that. And I had mentioned just a moment ago about, you know, even yourself, uh, share what you're working on as the leader. What, you, what are you working on? What are you learning as the leader? Demonstrate that commitment to learning and growing. And by doing so, it will encourage others to do the same. So reconciling the differences is challenging. You might be thinking about all those things going, oh man, that sounds really hard. <laughs> okay, it's challenging for sure. Uh, you know, when, when managing the differences in abilities, 
it is important to recognize the potential issues. And uh, we need to be mindful of burden. It might be tempting to be, I'm going to say, rewarding our most productive team members who are also providing high quality work with, well, more work because someone else on the team isn't pulling their weight. <laughs> so by doing these things, applying these things, it really helps balance out your team. It does require keeping an eye on need for training versus not right for the position. And that's really, really important. It means striking a balance between leveling up team members and determining whether they should be there at all. It's a difficult when you realize that this team member really shouldn't be in the position anymore, but it's also sometimes necessary. Necessary for the rest of the team who might be carrying the burden, necessary for the organization that may be unnecessarily investing. I say unnecessarily because it, it might end up that it's not going to work out anyway, but it's worth it. So it is about striking that balance and you strike that balance between team members and operational requirements. There is a cost associated to training, not just the time spent learning, but also the time not spent working on billable tasks or advancing the release of a product that will bring in extra revenue. But spending some time addressing the varying levels of experience and skills will help encourage more open discussions, will better guide less experienced team members and provide perspective to the seasoned ones. Ultimately, it will create a supportive environment that values each team member's contributions, which will very likely, in turn, foster a cohesive and high-performing team. I hope this episode helped generate ideas and potential solutions. If you know someone who could use this message today, please make sure to share it with them. And if you're feeling particularly generous, why not rate and review wherever applicable? I'd really appreciate that. So thank you for listening and let's all continue working on creating and leading successful people-centric organizations.